Welcome to the BreakGage podcast. I'm Danielle Ungerman, the product marketing manager at BreakGage, and in this episode, listen in as we speak with Rocky Johnson, the information technology superman for McNallen Technology Solutions as he discusses one of our favorite books, Traction, and how to scale a team where everyone takes on a leadership role. All right, welcome, uh, Rocky, to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Brian. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously, we we know all the speakers ahead of time. We had uh, uh, we met a few months back at a data driven workshop here in Miami. Um, one of the things that I wanted to share with the listeners is that the reason I quickly thought of you as a podcast guest uh, after we met was. You were the only, I don't, know, I don't know if you remember this, you were the only one that in the group of the workshop that kind of really grasped onto that simplicity concept of Brightgage. I remember someone was asking for some crazy chart type and you were like, hey man, you can just, just do a number and do this filter and, that, and that's it. Uh, and he was kind of like blown away. And I was like, I think Rocky just answered my question for me. Thank God I love this guy. Do you remember that? I do. I, I do like the simplistic approach. Um, part of the whole break age thing and looking at numbers parallels a lot of the traction side of the business that we run here at, at my company. Yeah. And simplifying that data has really garnished a whole lot more power in glancing at a dashboard, knowing what you need and moving on rather than yeah. focusing on it for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was like like-minded people here and then we had a few drinks afterwards. So anyway, uh, <laughs> thanks for, <laughs> thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, so Tell us, um, if you don't mind, uh, about yourself and McNallen. Just, I mean, two-minute history on on the company, what you guys do in that sense. Uh, most of the listeners are in the IT services space, so feel free to use you know the jargon that you would normally use talking to peers. Awesome. Uh, so I'm from McNallen Technology, Technology Solutions. My name is Rocky Johnson. Uh, we're a 46-year-old productivity company, so we started doing IBM Selectric Service in 1971 and moved pretty linearly through technology like calculators because, yes, it was technology. We had to, like, supply ribbons and paper and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Printers, copiers, IT, cloud, all that stuff. So most of our MOR now is managed IT and cloud hosting. But because we're such an old company, we have the uh, straggling break-fix uh, block time type accounts that have been us been with us for decades that are really hard to migrate did uh what's the size of the company now uh um and, and what's the structure of it so services folks versus non-services that thing sure we have 23 employees currently um we always have positions open it's kind of a fun dynamic to keep and retain the people you really enjoy we have 15 dedicated engineers so the rest are you know three technical account managers three admin staff and then two multi-talented idiots that poke their head in in all facets of the business. Uh, and I, I don't think you're 46 years old. Um, so what's the, how, how is the, you joined the company, what's your position? Kind of give us that background too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so it's a second generation family business. I'm not family and I actually sold my business to McNallen and have bought in. Uh, so I'm a partner in this company now and I'm currently COO and will take this over as time goes on. So um, it's been here for a long time. It's changed a lot of dynamics and it's very fun to be a part of a company sale and move forward and then get excited about the future. 
How, uh, how many, so you sold your, when was the sale of your company or was it a merger sale? How do you, how do you describe it? We describe it as a merger because it's easier on liability concerns for when we brought over accounts and how we transitioned licensing and all that kind of stuff. So technical terms is, you know, I received money for my portion from, you know, EBITDA data and value oriented uh, contracts so that I stayed on board to make sure that those customers came on. It probably was a conversation, maybe a six month kind of transition where I brought it up because I was in a real estate vertical and it uh, was tanking in 2007 or so. Oh, wow. And uh, when, when we moved, it was, it was great because we had a long running relationship. I actually had a nine year history of McNallen as my customer and I was doing higher end implementations and migrations for them when they were a little bit new in some of the corporate network space. So it worked out pretty well for me to come on board get them more sophisticated clients. And then it was able to give me the scope and exposure of a huge, huge customer base. I mean, the scope of a 46 year old company that stuck to their guns is incredible. I mean, we have thousands of customers a year that we dealt with. It was crazy. Did, uh, so, so then you're, and I, and we didn't talk about this too much in Miami, but, um, you had merged with them how long ago from, from now? Uh, I've been here 10 years. So we merged uh, exactly 10 years ago last month. Wow. And then how many people did you have? It was just a small shop, you and a few other folks doing high yep, end. It was me and just, yep. Me and just three other folks that did a real estate vertical, um, did kind of a one-stop shopping. We did IS programming and IT stuff and all that kind of infrastructure uh, benefits that come along with a small environment where you can manage all that. But you know, it was a slow growth environment. So it was yeah. awesome to come on board to greater capital. So you knew, so you, you had a sense of the family, you knew the companies who were basically a subcontractor, if you will, or they, they outsourced projects to you. And then, that, um, yep, that's exactly right. Yeah. And then, uh, join then the evolution to becoming COO. Is that, was that immediate or over time for you? That was over time. So I, my contract was fairly short to be fair. Um, it, I didn't really know if I'd stay on long term, and I'd, pretty frank conversations. I know that you're used to my conversations and I kind of say what's on my mind. <laughs> so after, uh, you know, really it was only about six months or a year. Once my contract was coming to a close, I had a conversation and said, you know, I can, I can double your service revenue in like three months and there, there's not a problem with that, but I probably quadruple it in six months. And where do you want to go with this business kind of a thing? And it hadn't grown for a long time. So it was more of a rock steady, uh, the current's flowing, everything's good. It just wasn't going in any kind of double digit growth. It just wasn't but they have, they have services back then? Was it like a, a traditional VAR just reselling stuff or is it some services that you were just yeah, they did. blowing their yep, mind they did, they had a, Yeah, they had a pretty good block time. So what happened was is the company was very product oriented and product centric. So if they sold you you know, a printer or a computer, or whatever, it was like free install and because people were cheap and equipment was expensive. Right. And that was the market they came from then. So the first network that they put in was like, yeah, we'll put in this Novell server and we'll install it for free. I mean, think about that concept. Right. That's, that's asinine. Right. So they really had a hard time changing their customer understanding to say, you have to pay for the service because that's really what you're getting is brain power. Anybody can sell you product. Yeah. And so they they had block time accounts. They had these prepay accounts. They had a lot of loyalty, ridiculous amounts, like 20 year history of doing services from 
man, fix my typewriter to uh, my, my Windows 95 as a problem. And we spent time saying, hey, let's actually write down what we're doing. Let's bill for this time. Let's talk to the customers and make sure they're on board. 100% we're on board. We, and we actually went from the small uh, one-user ticketing system where people actually wrote down work orders by right. hand. Yeah, technology company writing down work orders by hand. But isn't uh, and it, I built I did. This is in 2007, is it? Uh, well, they start. Yeah, it was really. It was probably 05 when they were still doing that. When I came on in 07, they were they bought Tigerpaw. Okay. Um, but they only had one license, so <laughs> they had like four engineers at the time that were writing down things in 2007. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Not that crazy. Long. So yeah. And so the potential was huge. It was like, wow, look at all this stuff I can do. If I just give them the ability to create a ticket on their own, can you imagine <laughs> how many more billable hours we're going to see? So it was, yeah. it was fun. That's, that's awesome. So you're, you were the next coming. So therefore I can see the, the evolution, uh, the evolution for your <laughs> becoming COO. Um, when we, we didn't talk about what part of the country are you in? Uh, we're in Minneapolis. Okay. And is it a crowded, I think we talked about this in my area. Is it a crowded space over there or uh, what's your take on it? Uh, you know, I'm going to say no. Um, it's really not that bad. Not that I'm inviting everybody to come out to Minneapolis and compete with me. Yeah. It's but, very busy over there. Very busy. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. We have like a few handful. So we're really small business niche. We love where we're at. We're a hundred computer users or less. Um, and we, we do it well. We, we live it. We have a lot of customer base that we can pick from. We have competition in our exact space. We literally have competition with the same birth date of company. Like they've been along the exact same evolution we have, wow. um, which is superbly unique. Right. But we all work pretty well together and there's a lot of space for us to fit in. So it's really, you know, a handful of players in this business with a whole bunch of one man bands and three man shops, which yeah. really we we don't compete with directly. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's uh, surprising with uh, a big, you know, city as Minneapolis is, but there's, uh, I've always found at least in the last 12 months talking to customers, especially at the workshops, you know, everyone seems to be doing well. I think it's either economy, uh, people are valuing technology, especially with security and privacy all around. So uh, it's great to yeah, see. I agree. I think there's a huge opportunity for people to really distinguish who they are and gain that loyalty and gain market share. I mean, we're growing uh, organically within our market or our customer base so well that uh, reaching out to new businesses hasn't been nearly as high as a priority as, hey, let's get the customers to pay for the services we're giving them. Yeah. And you said, I didn't hear you said that you had a salesperson, right? Yeah, we have three, um, three salespeople. Okay, gotcha. So um, all right. Technical account managers and all that. Oh, uh, so the, but they're technical account managers. That's their title? Yep. They're, they're, yeah, their IT account managers is their title. They do the sales process. Um, a lot of what we're doing sells itself with expertise. So, but, but you're for hunting for new business. They're the ones doing that too. Or is that just more rainmaker sale with the owner or with the family and something like that for leads? Yeah. It's more of managing the account more than the actual sales side. We have two people that really do most of the sales. Um, of course I'm part of that for yeah. influencing traits. And then we have another, uh, the actual owner, the, the first one, well, Mr. McNallan, that does a lot of that stuff too. So he and I are really responsible for bringing on some of the new stuff new customer and stuff. we both enjoy that space. Yep. Cool. Oh, yeah. It makes sense. That was, I mean, so we had the, a family business for a while. My father started in 1980 and it was very similar, you know, evolution of, of technology and, and we never, you know, he was a salesman by trade, you know, like that was just his, his 
bread and butter. And so we always found sales were easier when that person was involved, but we needed the technical person. So it was very, very similar. It has a lot of similarities to, to your story. So to fast forward now to the meat of it, um, last two years, you know, CEO, like what have, how has the business been for you? What challenges have you faced? Like what's top of mind for you these days uh, for the company? Well, we're, our challenge is the stigma of being a printer company through an advertising age. So we have a pretty good recognition in our area as being, you know, a value oriented small business, get your copier kind of place. But get your, like, we've like been, buy your, your copier machine or all your printing needs as well, like uh, signs and stuff like that. Is it just the, the actual technology behind it? Yeah, just the technology behind it. We don't actually do the physical printing or things like that. And, but we have this, this connotation that, oh, yeah, you guys do networking now. Well, no, I mean, we've done networking since 1980, but we really haven't pushed that. We've just kind of let customers ask. So we went through a rebranding process uh, two years ago where we redefined our company, redefined what kind of customers we would take, redefined how we talk to our customers, redefined our entire service desk, really changed everything we thought we could change to be unique, but still give that historical uh, loyalty the benefit of the doubt in all of our conversations. So our migrations have been slow, but we've done it for a reason because we don't want to, you know, we're being respectful to those that need it. And we've grown excessive percentages every year that we haven't really need to step on too many toes. Who, who led that charge? Like whose idea was it to say, Hey, we got to rebrand. Is that coming from you, the, the family, like who, uh, who kind of pushed that well, forward and drove it yeah. through? It, it was, uh, it's a long struggle. So that was, that was all me. Um, there's a lot of challenge here where, you know, becoming greater percentage owner as every year goes on and being a part of that and knowing what next steps are going to be. We have conversations, we have traction meetings, and I really led a lot of that charge. And it didn't take long. I mean, you can give a, a sample group and have conversations and hire a marketing company to blind interview your customers and ask the questions to go, wow, this is, you know, this would be great for you guys. I had no idea you did this. And after five conversations with five good sized customers that have been with us 20 years that say, I had no idea that you guys were on cutting edge for stuff or you, you know, right. don't even sell platter hard drives anymore, whatever the excuse would be. Right. Um, it really, it boomed from there. So then you drove a lot of that stuff and, and you've said the, the term traction. So um, what is your involvement with EOS? Uh, Cause I think most of the listeners would know uh, we'll put in the show notes what EOS or traction is exactly. But um, what's when did you guys adopt Traction and EOS? What's their history with with that program? Sure. So in Minneapolis, we have a we're in Hennepin County, and Hennepin County did a grant, or somebody gave Hennepin County money to build a second generation business um, growth group. Or uh, shoot, it escapes me what the name was, but it was a specific grant looking for second generation businesses to actually grow because okay. most of them go very stagnant once second generation happens and you can get all these grants for new businesses. Well, this specific push was all traction oriented. So they invited a bunch of CEOs who showed up. Um, our CEO went and I did not went to maybe six weeks of this about four years ago and said, Hey, this is kind of interesting. This has a lot of parallels, Rocky, to what you were talking about. Why don't you read the book? So I've read 
dozens of self-help books. I've read dozens of how to run your business. I've started, you know, my first business, I was 15. I did a car audio shop in a store near my school and I had a bike to it. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I've done businesses and I, I love this stuff. So it was fun to read and go through it and thought, you know what, I'm a, you can read Zig Ziglar. You can get up in the morning, clap your hands and you say, Hey, today's going to be a good day. And you believe that stuff. <laughs> and if you stick to something, you believe it. Right. So not to, to downrate traction, but right. I more believe that sticking to something matters more than what you stick to. A bad decision right. is better than no decision. Yes. And traction gave us that, that traction as a great metaphor where Jeff said, yeah, I like this idea. And I jumped on it and went, Oh, this is, this is it. This is the best way where I can get a small community and a leadership team as the book goes through to create growth and create challenges and create uh, really argument of why did we do that? Let's challenge it. Why did we do that? Let's challenge that. And we built, uh, you know, based on issues list, based on people, based on continual, you know, effective meetings or level tens. And the EOS has been awesome for us. We've done well with it for about three and a half years. It's really transformed our business. Wow. And then, uh, so did you guys have a, uh, EOS coach when you first started EOS? What do they call it? Uh, I guess a consultant. Yeah. The, uh, implementer, I think is their team, their name in this area. <laughs> and we don't, um, uh, we didn't get one cause, uh, I don't, have you met me? I don't, yeah. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't need that. So I, I ran everything through and, and gave all of that, forced it, pushed it, gave accountability. And because of my excitement in the process, it really rallies the troops. We didn't yeah. need a third party to say, you know what, Rocky, you made a bad decision. You shouldn't have done that. Let's move on and build a new decision for how we create the new solution. I'm more than willing to follow my sword and admit fault. I mean, right. I, I don't have any problem with that. So let's keep moving. Let's <laughs> give somebody a better idea because I don't know it. Yeah, that's awesome. The, uh, and any, I, looking back on it now, two and a half, or I'm sorry, three and a half years ago, um, what, uh, what would you recommend for others? Because there's, I mean, in our community, the you know, couple hundred listeners that would be using traction, right? Like, or that would not be using traction, I should say, you know, what tips would you provide them um, looking back now on your own experience and, and kind of doing it on your own here? Sure. It's a, it's an awesome question because it really does resonate with a lot of the business owners out there. So if anybody's close to owning it or even just feels like they want their business to go forward, Traction has an idea of a community or a leadership team. So in our case, we take a rotating position. So I pull a different service member depending on the needs of the six month period or a different sales member. And we create different leadership teams over the years so that we have more feedback. What more feedback gives is a vision and really a good sounding board where the community and your company feels like it's contributing to the growth of a company and thereby increasing loyalty, increasing all these things. So one of the tricks that we've done as an IT company is I hand out traction books to most of our customers. And we've actually grown measurably from those customers because they've adopted it, or at least they've had some check and balance. So my advice for people considering taking it on, on is don't be shy to try, even if it's, you know, 3%, you read it and you go, gosh, I'm going to pick up one thing. If you pick up that one thing, it's going to make you trust the book and you'll do everything else. Yeah. Not even yeah, that's like awesome. you got to read yeah, yeah, 500 pages and feel like you got to do it all. The, um, so my, I remember reading traction and, and then again for the 10 second overview of what, this EOS entrepreneur operating system is and traction is the name of the book that 
this gentleman, Gino Wickman, wrote uh, a great foundational system on how to run a small company. I mean, that's the basic way to call it. It's a very, when I read it a year and a half ago, and Rocky and I are similar, um, you know, I also said, like, this is a lot of concepts regurgitated and consolidated into one group, and it makes sense, so let's just rock with it if it's, you know, if we're going to believe it and stick with it. And it's phenomenally simple, it's comprehensive, and so a lot of small businesses who are using it have been very successful with it. So um, I, we have, you know, our, our, we have three different companies, my brother and I, and one of them being a cabling company, which used the, the implementer themselves and they needed an implement that consultant. Um, and so EOS has this great business model or, uh, yeah, I guess it's a business model that they would, you know, they have consultants that help you lead through it. But one of the things that I found very similar to you is like, if you just read a few chapters or you can read the whole thing, it's super easy. If you implement a few of the things, like it's it's a game changer because they have a lot of the processes that a small business would either forget about or ignore or just not want to think about because they're busy doing other things. So, um, Yep, and you can't be afraid to – there's two big parts of this that I've told a lot of my customers. One is the people side. You can't be afraid to recognize that people are going to change. Um, you have a lot of history and loyalty to some of these people, but you know what? They might not be the right person for the company or they might not be in the right seat for your company. Right. And you have to recognize that people who don't follow your values, you, you can't be afraid to trust the company. You're putting food on many families' plates here. You can't let one person burden that possibility that another employee can't you know, get fruit uh, for, their, for their efforts. And the other side is those, those owners that are really being criticized here. So when you... When you pick up traction and you've been a company that's been around five years, you're saying in some way, you should read this book because you failed in the last five years. That's, that's the connotation. That's the instant gut reaction that if, the, if you're not the CEO picking up the book, you're going to go, wait a minute, that CEO has to be vulnerable and willing to fall on their sword. Yeah. If they're not going to be open-minded and they're going to challenge everything, I've seen a few accounts actually get angry with us for giving them the book because they felt that they didn't need that organization and that was just ridiculous and so right. on and so forth. I, I think that's and, where the implementer helps out quite a bit. I think that's probably where they get paid the big bucks is they kind yeah. of even the playing field uh, for those people that may want to take over certain parts of the meeting or, or, you know, do things their own way or say, Oh, this is crap, stuff like that. That's yeah, but that's definitely true. We, uh, awesome. we got a lot of those books um, as well. So it's pretty interesting that you, uh, that, um, that you did it for your customers. Um, when you came down here, though, I remember you saying as part of that, probably that intro, that you were not much of a data guy, but you've been using traction all this time. So have you guys been doing the scorecards and you just never really got into getting more into the data than that? Or how? why would you self-describe yourself as not a data guy? Um, because I like simple things. So there's two big things, I guess, that, that really resonated from, from the data-driven workshop that that you specifically took off on. And one of them was the simplicity, right? So I like um, keeping the data actionable. And that was, that was your number one takeaway. I, I, I was like, yeah, that, that's me. This is why I suddenly my ears perk up. Right. And the other is not all data is automatically generated. So you're going to have to put in some manual stuff once in a while. And that's okay because you have to have some subjectiveness once in a while. Right. Um, a lot of the data that we operate on, on our uh, traction measurables and our people analyzer and our data element is based on pulse of various metrics that are only actionable. So I'm not a data driven guy, 
meaning I'm not staring at a dashboard constantly going, oh, look at my billable hours today or my billable hours last week or where right. they at this moment or where's my uh, MRR at and how's that changed? And I'm looking at this stuff on a day-to-day basis. Right. I'm more looking at it as a pulse. So I take that data and I want to know a percentage of change. I only really care at the beginning of the month and I want to know my pipeline and I'm done. I don't, I don't want to spend the time on the rest. Gotcha. And so that, so it's not really fair to say I'm not a data driven guy, but I don't necessarily get into building 35 gauges an hour and thinking right. that I want to have 27 TV screens in my office. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I mean, you were here, right? So it was that you're here for the digital workshop, but when you said like, Hey, I'm not, we barely use it. And then you put your experience attraction. So you, you're just more on the simplicity side, like you said, and, and I agree with you, like everything, everyone overcomplicates our product. And I mean, we even waste too much time overcomplicating what we build uh, versus just like what's actionable, especially if you're talking about, you know, under a hundred employee type company, like that, that's what I enjoyed so much about traction. It's like, just like, that's one piece of the puzzle. If you just get that right, just put it in, it in that in that corner that it needs to be in and just do everything else you got to do and, and then your business will will improve. So looking forward, um, so I guess, am I putting words in, in your mouth by saying traction has been a, a big benefit to you guys the last two years? Uh, oh, it's, yeah, it, no, it's very accurate. It's been for us to be able to educate the rest of the higher level staff um, as to where we're going in this company. Traction has given us the way to talk about it intelligently, measure it uh, as time goes on so people know where they're at in a consistent and level basis and giving us the future planning in order to say, hey, yeah, we can confidently say we're going there. Yeah, awesome. The one question before I talk about moving forward is I, I wrote this down. Uh, did you say that you put different people in the leadership team? You rotate people in? We do. So we do a couple different things and Traction necessarily recommends. Um, we have five positions. We have six in our leadership team and we have five of them that are stationary and one that's rotating. Okay. Um, and we do that because we want, we have different issues at the top of the list. And sometimes the members in the leadership team aren't hip to those tricks. You know, they don't understand what's happening down on the trenches. And so I'll bring in a help desk guy for six months and we'll do meetings with them and he'll give us a ton of data that we really didn't recognize and couldn't measure without that opinion and gut driven stuff. So it's, it's helped us really talk to our people a little further. That's awesome. I mean, uh, we're 25 minutes in and that, that, that might've paid for itself for someone listening in about traction. I've never heard that. And it makes a lot of sense to, uh, to rotate. Like you, I think, I think you said earlier, but to build the camaraderie also of the team and the people in there. So that, that's going to be huge. Uh, yeah. That, imp- imp- yeah. Employee loyalty is a big deal. Um, I even, I even asked you about your employee loyalty and how you know, some of your tricks and, and I love stealing some of those, which I've done. Thank you very much. But <laughs> it's important to, you know, to give people that validation and I'm super transparent. You know, I walk through the office and I can give one look at anybody and they know what I'm thinking. Like, Oh, I've done awesome today. Or I should go pack my bags and he's going to give me another McDonald's application like last week. <laughs> and there's a lot of uh, challenges to working for that, but yeah. to give people a sounding block and to show them progress and let them be part of that team has enabled us to keep, I mean, we have all of, we have a lot of engineers that have been here five, six, seven, 10, 12, 18, 25 years. Yeah. And those are numbers that people don't talk about in IT. People job hop, people look for more money, people, whatever. And tractions help some of that. And for the new people, for sure. That's awesome. All right. So, um, what's, uh, what, what, what has you excited moving forward? Like the next year, 2018 through 2020, what are you guys fired up about? 
Uh, well, to be fair, it's super easy. So um, <laughs> I love this question. Yeah. The awesome opportunity we have today is I, we have this business that's been around forever. I have this customer base that's massive and everybody's throwing money at my, at our doorstep. Like uh, every people, every customer we talk to, everything we do, they say, yeah, let's do more. I understand. Let's do it. Charge me more. It's cool. So <laughs> our biggest challenge in the next 24 months is to collect the money. And and in the sense of actually deliver the product. So staffing is my challenge and, and really making sure I keep all those people on board, all the core focus, all my core values. And, but my vision in the, in the next two years or 24 months is, you know, we're getting rid of customers that don't meet our criteria. We're, we're building new plans for people to make it work. We're um, even considering starting another company to, to support a certain portion of those customers that wow. we feel there's a market for, but our, our competition doesn't. And it's fun and it's exciting. And it's, I, I mean, we're going to, we'll go up, you know, 50% or more in MRR in the next you know, 12 months, no problem. So that's, it, that's it's crazy. exciting for that. Yeah. And you think a lot of it has, is having to do with having that legacy, that reputation already built in, and then you're able to just capitalize on it. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's really cheating. Um, you know, everybody out there is like, well, I wasn't silver spooned into a thousand accounts that were already loyal to me and you're right. You weren't. And I'm sorry, but I am. And I'm thrilled. Um, and I'm going to take advantage of it. <laughs> oh man. That's why I had you on the podcast. This is hilarious. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you admit, you said earlier that, um, you know, ownership grows year over year, uh, for yourself. Uh, and I don't know how much you can share obviously here, but, what is your long-term vision for McNallen? Like what's, what's kind of the game plan looking after you grow by 50% after you figure out how to hire and staff up, like what, 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 what are you looking at long-term? Well, we're, we have feelers out for various geographic locations and how we can staff those um, and not necessarily people, but more of that sales side and image and that sort of a thing. So we're looking at branching out geographically. We have so much opportunity here in Minneapolis that I, I'm not, it's not a super high priority, but we do have a lot of potential there. Um, I have a number of guys coming on board that are talking about, hey, can I uh, you know, buy into a certain portion of this or how do I become vested in this? Because they see the passion that somebody like me shows when they really have some sort of profit share for better, for lack of a better word. Right. And so we're, we're trying to encourage those types of things, trying to encourage people to really be a part of the family and move forward with, hey, how can I build this business? Because it works out for number, you know, looking out for number one. And the geographic thing will be awesome because I've got already volunteers lining up like, yeah, I can go to that, you know, community that's hundred miles North, or I can go to the other community that's hundred miles South because it's easy for me or I've got family there and I'd love to be part of that and run it. And it's exciting to see that stuff. So that's kind of the longer term is gotcha. we've got, you know, a transition period of ownership, but everything's on board and we're, we're operating on the same plane. So nothing really slows that down or speeds that up. We're, we're still mm -hmm. moving forward as it goes. I mean, it's got to be a credit to you and the former and the, the family of court. Like, how do you guys have these engineers that have been around for, let's say, 10, 12 years, even further, the before Rocky era, that are still as fired up now? Like, what do you get, what are you doing to keep those folks motivated? Um, obviously, compensation is a part of it, but in uh, the leadership team, I know rotating them out, but what, what else are you doing? Um, let's kind of keep that you would trust someone to go to wherever, Wisconsin or wherever you'd send them to. 
The trust has been a big deal. Uh, you really hit that on the head. A lot of what we're doing is trust-based. So we don't punch clocks. Um, we never have in, in, as far as I know, like 20 years some. Um, it's not a kind of thing that this business does. It's a lot of trust. It's a lot of family-oriented stuff. Hey, if you've got to get your kids or somebody sick or you got a conference, be involved. Do it. People will cover for you because you'll cover for them. And giving opportunities for tons of, you know, overtime opportunities and comp time and travel opportunities and various trainings and all those continuing education stuff have been, has, have led to us proving we're willing to invest in our people. And once you make that proof, rather than just give the lip service, yeah. people stick around and they enjoy it. Uh, the, and I have a feeling I know the answer to this, but you know, you, you, you said traction, you've read all the business books, uh, besides traction, who else, uh, who do you aspire? Uh, aspire is the wrong word for you, Rocky. I know that, but uh, besides yourself, you know, something like that. But uh, what do you? Where do you see yourself? Emula- who do you see yourself emulating uh, from a business perspective, if anyone? Um, I'm. Yeah, you know, this is a tough question for me. I'm not really like other people have some kind of sports analogy, or they've got some kind of. Gosh, you know, I really like so and so. I'm really a no nonsense guy, right? And. I don't have any problem being transparent, blunt, clear. Um, and I only fight the fight if I know I can win and I play to win. And right. I so like those you're attitudes. You're like Bill Belichick then. No, I'm just, I'm just messing. There you <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I really want to uh, give props to my dad because my dad is like, he's like Mr. Integrity. If anybody knows Vince Johnson, Minneapolis area, it's like, oh, he is the greatest guy anybody ever knows. Yeah. And I love that idea. I love that. He stands behind what he says, and that's what I want to be. That's what I aspire to be. I want my customers to recognize, gosh, you know what? Every time McNallan makes a promise, they over-deliver, and they really want to do it, and you see that passion. And that isn't always an IT thing, so I'm excited to bring that to this community, and my people are certainly on board with it. So that's without naming a specific name and saying that, well, you know, I really like the way that Mike Tyson gets his way by biting ears off. Really, really like the way that we're forward thinking and we're going to be around because we're doing what we're promised. And yeah, and that integrity. So I mean, your father's a good example. I, I would say the same thing for me. So it's it's a good example to have a good reputation if you're building a company to last, which a lot of uh, you know a lot of folks in our industry do not have that you know that aspiration. And that's the type of person I think you need to be, which is probably why we got along so well drinking uh, rum and wine <laughs> in Miami. Uh, so uh, now that we mentioned Miami, and, and this is not a shameless plug, this this podcast is not about Brightcage, but um, what did you enjoy about the, the workshop? So Data Driven Workshop, we host 15 customers, consultants, whoever that wants to come down and learn how to kind of utilize data. Uh, any takeaway that's worth sharing with uh, some folks here that's not too commercialized, of course? Sure. Well, I know that Brightcage's main benefit for us, besides the, the simplicity aspect, is being able to grab multiple data sources and putting into one. So I'm, I've done a lot of IS programming way in the past, you know, and I've built data warehouses and I've tried and I've, I've built these dashboards and I've made them, <laughs> I've built a lot for them. It's been a profitable side of that business. But what Brightgage has done universally has really enabled me and enabled, you know, even my customers to be able to see clarity quickly and much more easily than the you know, the steps of data warehousing and all the antiquated crap. So the data-driven workshop really gave me some insight as to some of the KPIs, some of the other people were doing. And although I'm not much of a, this guy's doing that, so I'm going to jump on the bandwagon kind of guy. I do like knowing 
when people go down the wrong path because it's kind of, you know, you can chuckle. Yeah. And then I also like <laughs> some of the simplicity ideas that you had were, you know, like your example that you shared earlier where a gentleman wanted the scatter plot. He wanted to know when yeah. hours were outside of a scope. That's cool. I'd love to know that. But I just want to know how many of those I have. Like, do I have one? I'm not, I'm not going to action on one. I'm not going to action on two. If I got six that are outside of a 50% scope, I want that monitor to ding and I'm going to walk over to my service manager and, you know, right. give them the application for McDonald's. So yeah. this is the actionable items really make it cool. And yeah. I like the idea and the tools that Brightcage has put in place for that. So I thought the data driven workshop was awesome. Um, happy hour definitely didn't hurt. It was awesome <laughs> seeing you start early. Your first guy pouring a beer, you're up there at the podium going, yeah, well, what am I talking about? So that was grand. That made my day. Um, and certainly, you know, the Cuban coffee in the morning and being like, I know y'all got to have this in order to understand all the things we're talking about today. That, that, that's grand. I love so, it. Yeah. I think we're, we're very, you and I are both realists. Uh, I think you said in a, in a note earlier. So that's awesome. Um, well, it's about 35 minutes or so. Um, if someone were to, to reach out to you and, and ask questions has happened sometimes, uh, what's a good way to reach out to you? I mean, could they contact us? Do you have, I can't imagine you're a big Twitter guy, uh, LinkedIn. <laughs> no, yeah, no, my, uh, my, uh, my space page, I guess they took down. Um, <laughs> but I can hand out my ICQ number if you want, if that's cool. Uh, but in my aim handle or whatever, no, uh, email works great. Just, uh, get in touch with you guys and you'll shoot information over to me. Uh, I'm very interested and transparent. I don't mind talking to people. I'm going to like people, so I may laugh, but nonetheless, I, I enjoy the, the conversation, so I'm not afraid. Yeah. Well, I, and, and I'll give you the, the last parting question, uh, you know, anything that you would, anything you haven't mentioned that you, you know, impart on folks listening, and, and you've heard some of our podcasts, so, uh, you know, what are things, what, what is one thing or two things that you'd say, hey, IT services company, do this, or think about this, you know, that you haven't already mentioned? Sure. We've, I talk to a lot of peer companies or a lot of customers that talk about security and measuring risk and measuring security and how secure am I? And are you already doing that for me? Um, I can't give enough stress on being super clear about the service you're delivering. Um, if you don't, if your listener base hasn't actually gone to the bright gig section on how to run your business or whatever the heck it is, when you have all those little white papers, right. they're actually pretty good. I've read all of them and the sample contracts, the sample, how to get surveys, some of that stuff. I mean, I've changed some of my ideas and my past experiences or what we've done in the past in order to further that evolution and definitely look at those tools because I think, you know, we do it just like everybody else, you know, MSSP and all this kind of stuff. But yeah. let's be honest, in a company of our size or even smaller, whatever, you do things based on what your companies want at that time. They call you and say, hey, can you build me nine widgets? And we go, yeah, we got six widget machines in the back collecting dust. Then you run out and go, what's a widget? Yeah. Um, and that's okay, but it's good to know what your exact service delivery is for your contract. And I can't stress that part enough. Cool. That's awesome. That's uh, I appreciate the plug there too. So, um, all right. So we'll, uh, we will share, if anyone reaches out to us, um, we will share the, the, your email rocket. Can't thank you enough again for, for joining us and doing this conversation. We had a great time in Miami um, and, uh, and hopefully we'll have you back for round two at some point in the podcast. Thanks Rocky. Sounds great. Yeah. Thanks so much, Brian, for having me on.